are entering the Freedom Hut. Multiple bombs and suspicious packages have been found addressed to numerous important Democrats, including George Soros, the Obamas, the Clintons, John Brennan, Maxine Waters, and Eric Holder. We will dive into what this bomb spree means, what's going on, and how we'll find the culprits coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This is The Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. I'd like to begin today's remarks by providing an update on the suspicious packages and devices mailed to current and former high-ranking government officials. The safety of the American people is my highest and absolute priority. The full weight of our government is being deployed to conduct this investigation and bring those responsible for these despicable acts to justice. We will spare no resources or expense in this effort. And I just want to tell you that in these times, we have to unify. We have to come together and send one very clear, strong, unmistakable message that acts or threats of political violence of any kind have no place in the United States of America. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Quite a day. Quite a day. We have these uh, pipe bombs apparently found uh, in the, uh, well, in in mail rooms and en route to uh, a number of different intended targets here. And the FBI, of course, telling everybody to maintain vigilance because it is very possible. Somebody would say it is likely that there are still devices out there. And these Pipe bombs, as they're being reported on so far, have been addressed to or sent to the office or home of Bill and Hillary Clinton in Chappaqua, New York, the uh, Obamas, Eric Holder. And that bomb was sent care of Representative Wasserman Schultz's office, Debbie Wasserman, Sol- uh, Was- Wasserman Schultz, John Brennan's uh, to the CNN office in New York. That's why CNN evacuated today. And then George Soros in uh, Katona, New York, as well as Maxine Waters in Capitol Heights, Maryland. So all people who are very prominently associated with the uh, Democratic Party in this country and the left. So there are going to be there are two simultaneous discussions underway right now across the country. Um, One of them is about the investigation how do we find out who's responsible for this how do we make sure that no one because as of yet not a single person thankfully not a single person has been uh, harmed by these bombs as i go on air here if that changes i will bring it to your attention right away Um, but there have not been any fatalities or injuries so far and you're going to have this investigative frenzy right now to find any other bombs and to make sure that nobody is is hurt and to find out who's responsible um, but then on the other side and this is this couldn't come at a more politically heated time in many ways uh, you've got the election less than two weeks away 
And uh, yes, the, the, I'm just going to try to state as many facts as I can uh, or as many obvious observations as I can, despite the fact that this is uh, you just people are losing their minds about the politics on this. I mean, they're they're so vicious and nasty and uh, desirous of attacking one another as, as human beings and as people on and doing so with the most vitriolic terms they can think of. Uh, this is obviously a political discussion as well. It's going to be. We can sit here, I can sit here and tell you, and look, later on the show, I'm going to have Joey Jones join us. He's Marine EOD, walk us through everything we need to know about these bombs. I had a little bit of bomb training myself back in the day in the CIA. So, you know, we'll, we'll and also dealing with counterterrorism investigations, which often involve uh, bombs and IEDs. So we'll walk through that component of it. But but the overwhelming focus of the media is already uh, going to be about assigning blame and uh, and settling scores here, quite honestly, and and making sure that there is a maximum political impact. And you, know, you just heard that statement from President Trump. He says there's no place for political violence in this country. And Jeff Zucker over at CNN, which CNN is one of the places where they had the suspicious package and they did all their coverage today from outside of CNN. And, uh, you know, J- Jeff Zucker released this official statement from CNN. The, the president of CNN released this. In You know, President Trump had already said what I, the audio that I played for you of, you know, there's no place for, for political violence in American society. None or threats. None. That's what the president says. Here's how the president of CNN responds. Quote, there is a total and complete lack of understanding at the White House about the seriousness of their continued attacks on the media. The president, and especially the White House press secretary, should understand their words matter. Thus far, they have shown no comprehension of that. This is a disgusting low blow from the president of CNN. That's what this is. This is, it's the president's fault that some lunatic, this is the president of CNN saying it's, it's the president's fault, the president's words that are tied to this in some way, right away, without even knowing, without even knowing who this is or what the real motivation is. This is, the, this is a disgrace. And there's no shortage of this rhetoric coming from people now. They, they view this as a means of getting even with Trump now, you know. And they also view this as wiping away what had become a very powerful narrative because it was so true that the left is a bunch of screaming, mobbing maniacs. Now they're going to say, oh, it's both sides. Now now the, the, the entirety of the Democrat power apparatus and all of its... All of its media wings, which CNN is certainly one of them, are going to claim victim status over this all the way up until Election Day, before we even know who did it, before we know anything about what they've done. And, you know, I'm sorry, but I do not remember, I do not remember the head of Fox News or the head of, you know, or forget about the head of anything. I do not remember uh, the, the biggest names in the business that I'm in. Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, uh, you know Glenn Beck. I, I do not remember any of them saying, "Oh, it's 
It's the fault of CNN, for example. It's the fault of CNN that a Bernie Sanders-supporting lunatic actually shot Steve Scalise, and he almost died, and tried to shoot a whole bunch of conservative members of Congress because of their insane rhetoric, because of their... They have been calling the President of the United States a traitor, a Russian stooge, a crazy person, a rapist, a racist, a white nationalist, effectively a Klan member. And they've said he's destroying the country. He's undermining our institutions. Someone must take action. Someone must do something about this. And here we are. Here we are at a point where finally there's a moment where the Democrat power structure feels like they are under threat. And, and I, I'm the first, I, you know I am consistent on this. You do not hurt people, hit people, attack people, or worse, because you don't like their ideas. You don't do it. Nobody should do it. No one's justified in doing it. It's disgusting. It's illegal. It's immoral. And it's... If you really are a true believer in some ideology, at least in America right now, it's truly counterproductive because right now, if you take those kinds of actions, your entire side might have to bear the consequences, so to speak. So it's it's wrong and, and, and evil and stupid on every level. But it's the Democrats who have been trying to blur these lines for the last six months or so. And it's the Democrats who have been saying all those things about President Trump since he became president. And as I've been telling you, if you really believe that we are descending into fascism, as mainstream left-wing writers will have been saying, if you really believe the President of the United States is a threat of starting an unnecessary nuclear war, if you believe those things, then taking extreme measures does not seem like such a leap, does it? They have not been pushing back on Trump for tax reasons. They have not been pushing back on Trump for, you know, health care with any of the same vigor and seriousness and ferocity as they have on all these fantasies that they have conjured around Russia collusion and 25th Amendment and Trump is crazy and he's going to start a war. And now, and now they want to pretend that, oh, it's, it's Trump's fault that this happened. And this is right from the very top. This is right from the top of the Democrat left-wing power structure in the media, Jeff Zucker himself. Jeff, my assistant, is going to be overheard by a friend of mine declaring that CNN has declared war on Trump. That's right, that happened. Jeff Zucker. Now, I can sit here and say, without any feelings of... of uh, sheepishness that my criticisms of CNN all stand. CNN is a dishonest news organization that is pushing an agenda that is furthering division in this country that lies about the president and dresses it up as news coverage and that has a lot of coddled babies like Acosta and others who refuse to accept that, you know, if you want to be taking all kinds of shots at the Republicans and the president, maybe they're actually going to criticize you back with words, with words. They're allowed to do that. But that doesn't mean that I can't also sit here and say I 
I'm happy to hear that no one at CNN was hurt, that I have friends, including some very dear friends who still work at CNN, and that even if I hated everybody at CNN, which I don't, I would still pray for every single one of them to be fine and come out of work unscathed and go home to their families. And I do feel that way. And I know you feel that way too. But there's something deeply wrong. There's something unseemly and unethical about immediately trying to make it, oh, well, you can't still criticize us and hope that we're okay. You can't condemn these bombs being sent to us but also continue to criticize us. No, I, I, I can and will. And it's not just CNN. It's all these other, you know, it, it's, it's George Soros who is doing, he funds incredibly destructive, incredibly destructive programs for freedom and for liberty and, and America. I mean, he, he is behind a lot of very bad stuff. Um, and then when you add it, you know, then you add into this also, obviously, the, the Obamas and the Clintons and people who are ideological opponents doesn't mean that I hate them. I don't respect the Clintons, but I mean, I, you know, I, I disagree strenuously with the Obamas. I don't really respect the Clintons, but that's a different thing. I'm allowed to not respect them. That doesn't mean that I would ever advocate violence against any political figure or anyone for their beliefs for that matter. But no, not even a day passes, not even a day passes for us to deal with this issue, to figure out who's behind this, to figure out what's going on uh, without it being used right away in the most obvious fashion to score political points. Look, I'm just going to say the Democrats think this is a way they can actually ensure they win the House and maybe stop a a red wave in the Senate. That's what they think this is. That's what they're using this as. I'm not saying they brought this on themselves. I'm not saying that this is a false flag. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying they are leveraging this for political purposes right away. Right away. Shamelessly. Shamelessly. Remember, remember, Steve Scalise was actually bleeding out, came right on death's door. You know, Rand Paul was shot at. A bunch of other congressmen, conservative members of the of the House Freedom Caucus, shot at. And it wasn't just a it wasn't a package that you know could have hurt somebody but didn't. They were in mortal and immediate peril, and one of them actually got hit. And you didn't see this unified effort on the right to say, oh, every every news outlet across the country is responsible for this. In fact, producer Mike points out to me that uh, that Sean, that Sean Hannity said, you, you know, you can't blame Bernie, Bernie Sanders for this. And he's right. It's not Bernie Sanders' fault. So if we're going to have a conversation about tone and rhetoric, we can. If we're going to have a conversation about violence, we can and should. But we can't just conflate all these things as it suits our fancy. One more thing here. I disagree with this prevailing wisdom right now in social media that you're not even allowed to address the possibility that this series of attacks was, that there's no way that this could have been somebody who is in fact engaged in a false flag. I mean, I'm not saying it is, but I don't know why we're all supposed to disavow that before we know anything, you know? I'm withholding judgment until facts come in. I'm not excluding things before facts come in because why would I do Because then I'm not withholding judgment. We'll talk about this a little bit more because I think this is, there's, there's some stuff going on here. Look, there's some very real reasons to at least be aware of all the possibilities here. 
844-900-2825. Lines are open, team. I, I want to hear from you. Uh, give me give me some calls. 844-900-BUCK. 844-900-2825. We'll be right back. There's no reason to assume motives, to assume anything at this point. But we do know what all of these targets have in common. These are all targets uh, that have been criticized mercilessly by right-wing outlets, uh, by fringe groups on the Internet, and by some right-wing commentators. And already there's this awful rush to try to claim it's a false flag operation. Figures like Rush Limbaugh, who have a lot of power, who have a lot of influence, who have a lot of fans, are out there saying awful things. Uh, But as you said, it's a matter of leadership, presidential leadership. It could be a false flag. We don't know. Well, why is it off? I mean, it's one thing to say it is because you don't know. Right. So that's not true. But to say it could be, it could be. Democrats, there's been plenty of fake hate crimes. I mean, this is this reminds me of when people are saying, don't women have a right to be believed? They never lie. Well, no, actually, there are women who lie about sexual assault allegations. And then you rattle off a number of prominent cases. And it's not to say that everyone's lying or everyone's not lying, but everything is judged on an individual basis. Could there be a false flag going on here? Yeah, of course there could. Of course there could. Why is that beyond the pale? This could change the election for the Democrats. But notice, I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I don't know. We just don't know. We had a ricin attack. The media barely even batted an eyelid. Or someone sending ricin to like Mattis and the White House or uh, the Pentagon. That was a story for about an hour. No one paid any attention to that. So... What what are they really saying? I also love the whole Stelter thing there with, oh, you know, I'm not saying we're not blaming anybody. It's just all the right wing people criticize these people. And that's the only thing we know about them. So it's clearly the right wing's fault. I mean, that's that's what you're really to take away from that. Playing this game of we're, we're not jumping to conclusions, but here's a conclusion. That's what the left is up to here. Uh, this is inherently a very political issue. And I, and I know that, look, this is a serious issue and nobody should be... No one should be hit with violence. No one has been injured yet either. So let's also let's let let's not let's not back ourselves into we can't even talk about this. Oh my gosh, you know the you know the, the, the there's uh, you know the bodies haven't even been buried yet. No one's even been harmed yet. So we should feel free to talk about this issue without feeling like we're being disrespectful to the families of the you know we want everyone to be safe. We want everyone to be okay. But this is in the heat of a political campaign too. So yeah, this is an issue. We are going to talk about this. Left is already trying to shape this whole thing, though, to their advantage. It's just so they don't want anyone else to do any of that stuff. No one else can be political. Democrats can, though, because they're victims of this, of course. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. There is no disputing that the targets of these particular devices, as we've been reporting so far, are all connected to individuals that the president specifically and his political allies have been attacking. These are all people who have been or are perceived to be critics of the president who have been the subject of his criticism very directly. If you look at who they've targeted so far, it's almost like they're following Donald Trump's Twitter feed and people are going to act out. And there is no human being more responsible for the climate we're in than Donald Trump. The president and his allies, they need to dial down the, the political rhetoric. They are making people less safe. They are making journalists less safe and they are making law enforcement officers less safe. Let's remember, we have a president who has talked for 
couple of years now about imprisoning his political rival in Hillary Clinton, who has encouraged violence against the media. But it's an obvious thread. The Obamas, the Clintons, John Brennan, CNN, um, George Soros, these are people and organizations that President Trump continually attacks, mm -hmm. demonizes. Do I believe the heated rhetoric, the toxic environment is part of this? Yes. We are in an era now where violence seems to have license by the President of the United States. It's all the President's fault, you see. Almost everything that goes wrong in this country, according to the left, is Trump's fault. If someone is uh, in a high-profile sexual assault case, it's Trump's fault. If someone says something mean to someone somewhere, it's Trump's fault. If someone engages in a hate crime or says something racist somewhere, it's Trump's fault. These people are nuts. They have really lost it. You know, they're, they're, this whole the Jake Tapper, Trump is demonizing them. Oh, as if the media doesn't demonize the president and those around him, by the way. I mean, CNN makes it very clear that they will not be happy until t some of the top people in the White House are arrested. I mean, they want them to go to prison. That, that's clear from their coverage. They want to see them in cells. The left doesn't just want Trump to no longer be president. They want him to be ruined and destroyed. And they are concocting narratives to achieve that. They're not just hoping for it. They're trying to make it happen. I've talked to Carter Page. I've talked to Papadopoulos. You talk to these guys. This whole thing is ridiculous about Russia collusion. It's insane. And what does Russia collusion really, at its core, what is it all about? Trump is a traitor. That's what they're telling you. Trump is guilty of treason. That's what they're saying. I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. President of the United States is a traitor, according to the mainstream media, is a traitor, according to the Democratic Party, with no evidence, by the way, none. And they want to talk about demonizing? Please. All right, I know we don't often take uh, that many calls here because I got so much I want to say to you, but we have every single line lit, and I know there's a lot more people that are waiting to get in, and I want to hear from you on this. So uh, let's get to it. Uh, first up, Tim in Phoenix. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Shields high, my swoop care friend. Shields high, man. The swoop is the swoop is going well. How are you? <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Uh, we on the right side. Uh, we need to stay away from this false flag because they'll beat us over the head from it because it's not a false flag. But to me, it sounds like the left and the media, one and the same, is changing the narrative away from their Carol Van. Tim, I had a little bit of a tough time. A little tough time here. You're, you're saying that this changes the narrative away from damaging things for the Democrats. You bet. Well, I mean that that's just that's just true. It does do that. So there's no question about that. They'd much rather talk about this and Trump's rhetoric and how bad he is, and then I mean the caravan was a loser for the left, which they didn't figure out until too late, and and they're still hoping that everyone just forgets about what they did in the whole Kavanaugh situation. So absolutely, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Tim. Shields high. Uh, we got Charlie in Maryland. Hey, Charlie. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Buck. I just got a question. You dealt with the FBI. In their investigation of this uh, bomb threats, and it turns out to be a, a lefty political move, 
do you think the FBI will release their findings to the public? I'll give you one name that says no, and that's Rosenstein. I have watched his actions. I've listened to his interviews, and he's an elitist leftist, and that will never, ever be public. I think you, I think you're correct that Rosenstein is a is a leftist. Um, as to whether we can trust the FBI with this investigation, I I think it'll be very hard. Here here's my concern: if there's clear text, you know, clear evidence that this is in fact a leftist engaged in some kind of a, a essentially a false flag operation. If it's obvious, if they can prove it, then I think we will know. But if there's any gray area or if it's going to require a bit more, remember that we got an election in less than two weeks. So this is we're going to have to know this fast or else we're not going to know in time to have it affect the vote one way or the other. If there's any gray area, I, look, I still remember when the FBI was trying to cut out from the Omar Mateen transcript from the Pulse nightclub shooting ISIS and Allah and all references to Islam in that transcript and it was bizarre because we all knew exactly what they were cutting out of the transcript so you know yeah your your concern is valid although i i think that here the fbi will present the facts as they are as long as they are clear if there's anything that's murky we'll have to see but thank you for uh for calling in charlie um mark up in albany hey mark how you doing buck it's been a while <laughs> good to talk to you my friend shield side what's up I was going to say, uh, to me, it does look like it's false flag situation. Uh, there's three things I noticed about that bomb when they issued the pictures of it. First of all, it's a small bomb. It's about, what, five inches by one inch diameter? That's not, there's not much explosive you can put in something that small. Two, there's no enhanced shrapnel. It's just the casing. So it isn't even a bomb designed to kill people. It's more of a flashbang than anything. And three, it was in a padded envelope. Anybody picks that up and feels the end cap and feels the middle knows instantly that that's a pipe bomb. So to me, this looks like it was meant to be found. It was not meant to hurt anybody if it was supposed to go off. And even if it did go off, it's really more of a flashbang scary bomb unless it, you're holding it right next to your chest. So that, that doesn't look like as if though it's meant to kill anybody. And if your only purpose is to, uh, to make a flashbang, it's all political. It's not substantive. As I've been saying, it's and I need to get real confirmation on these devices. We'll have Joey Jones calling in later, who's an EOD tech. Oh, sure. And, and a friend of mine. Yeah, you know, Joey's great. And uh, we'll have him talk to us about what we know about these bombs. I, I just, you know, look, I'm not there, right? I'm not on these cases anymore. I, I don't have any inside access, so I can only go on, in terms of what these devices are, I can only go on what's in the news reports and what the photos are that are circulating. But I, you know, this person went through a lot of trouble to build a whole lot, this is true. They built a whole lot of bombs that had almost no chance, realistically, of getting to the named target. Now, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't have been dangerous and couldn't have killed people along the way, and it doesn't mean that they're not acts of terror. But I'm just saying to have sent out all these different bombs to all these places. And for example, the bomb that was sent to uh, Hillary Clinton's home, supposed you know, supposed to be sent to her home. That went to a mail scanning facility that was a couple miles away, and they found the bomb right away. So, you know, this right. person who was doing this, did they really think that, like, you're just going to send a bomb to the Clintons' home? Maybe they did. Maybe this person really did believe that. But to go through and pick all these different uh, targets and to have 
had all of them discovered without anyone being hurt. These are data points. I can't draw conclusions from them yet, but they are data points. Uh, anything else you got for me? I, w- I would love to hear your uh, expert witness, we'll call him, on uh, what kind of arming mechanism it was uh, supposedly used, uh, what kind of powder inside was the explosive. If it's simply gunpowder, you got a big firecracker. Um, if it's something C4, then we're looking at military grade, somebody who's got clearance, something like that. But Yeah, I can tell you there's anyway. almost no chance that there is. I mean, I saw the devices. I, I would bet I would bet a large sum of money for me that there was no C4 involved. There was no uh, um, no nothing beyond what's essentially like a black powder device. That's what, That would be my guess. But right. anyway. You can get that from fireworks. All right. Well, yep, good luck. That's right. Thanks. Thanks, man. Shieldside, thank you for calling in. Um, and we had, uh, Sabe in West Virginia. Hey, Sabe. How are you, Buck? Uh, thank you for your show. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for listening. Everybody has pretty, everybody has pretty much stolen my thunder, but this is a, this is a hoax. And, uh, it's done because they're losing and they lost it because of the, uh, the convoys coming up, uh, from the South. And so they needed another hoax to go in there, and I think we'll find out this is, but I'm concerned, like the rest of the people are, about the FBI and finding out the truth. Um, I, I want to know the truth as well, and I'm, I'm leaving open all options for the perpetrator here, and uh, I appreciate Sabi calling her from West Virginia. Shield side to you. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I look, would I find it a total shock if this was Look, there are there are crazy people on the right. Okay, let let's let's call it what it is. There are crazy people on the right. We just don't have a political culture that's as crazy as what the left has, and our values within our political ecosystem on the right are different than the values, generally speaking, the left. But that doesn't mean there's not. I mean, we're talking about we got a country of 320 million people. You cut that in half, and you know we got 160 million people on the right, roughly speaking. Right? I mean, who really knows what the? And we're talking about babies and old people and stuff too. But you know, you got a hundred and uh, you know uh, a couple hundred million people that we're we're discussing here, and there's plenty of room for. I, I always used to say this in my old old radio show on Saturdays. You always got to leave room for crazy. You know, crazy surprises you. Crazy, crazy comes up out of nowhere. So got to be ready for that. And and this is certainly a, a circumstance that, as I see it. You know, you, you, you could have a, um, you know, you, you, you could have some person who decided to, to do this, who is in fact, who does think that he's part of the Trump movement. It's possible. What's more likely right now? Well, it's tough to say. It's certainly possible as well that this is somebody who thinks that they will. And by the way, they may be successful in this. If this person isn't found by Election Day and if. We find out after the election that it was, in fact, somebody who is a, uh, a left wing sympathizer who realized that the mob narrative was really hurting uh, conservatives. I'm sorry, hurting uh, the left. And this was a whole shift in the national conversation around politics right before the election. They may be successful in interfering, if you will, in the election with this whole uh, horrific plot. And if we don't know that until after the election, that's just going to be the way it is. So. It's a lot of threads coming together here, and we have very little information to work off of right now. We'll, we'll stay on it. Uh, like I said, Joey Jones will talk to us next hour about the devices, what he sees with them, the photos of them. I know I saw in one there was a look like an ISIS flag on one of the devices, and um, but but again though the lack of the lack of sophistication in the targeting and the lack of sophistication in the devices 
is noteworthy to me. It is noteworthy to me. And um, I'll just, I'll leave it at that for right now. We, we have uh, more coming up. If you want to chat, you got some thoughts on this, 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. We have a whole lot more show coming. We will have updates on the caravan coming up from uh, Honduras and uh, also whatever else, uh, whatever else we need to spend some time addressing. So stay with us. When there's a lot of hatred and division, it does not make sense to exacerbate it. Let's just say this to all public officials of all partisan affiliations. Don't encourage violence. Don't encourage hatred. Don't encourage attacks on media. Uh, You could disagree, but you have to show respect for people and air your disagreements peacefully. So, unfortunately, this atmosphere of hatred is contributing uh, to the choices people are making to turn to violence. There's no question about it. It is a troubling time, isn't it? And it's a time of deep divisions, and we have to do everything we can to bring our country together. We also have to elect candidates who will try to do the same. Hillary there talking about bringing the country together. That's amazing, isn't it? Yes, when I think about unity and bringing together the American people, the first name that comes to mind is, Hello! I don't think so. I don't think so. Yet here we are. Hillary talking about these, these dangerous times. You'll notice that we, we, didn't have this, we didn't have this outpouring immediately from all these Democrats after the, uh, let's just be honest about it, much more uh, serious in that somebody was almost killed that somebody was shot shooting at the baseball diamond in Alexandria. I did not see all these Democrats say, time to take the temperature down. Let's stop calling Trump a traitor. Let's stop calling Trump uh, supporters white nationalists and racist. I didn't see any of that. I, I just don't remember it. Maybe maybe my memory's faulty, although I doubt it. That was not what was happening, was it? Now we see that they capitalize on this. They try to capitalize on this right away. Some are more explicit than others. Here is The View host, Sonny Hostin. Play 11. I was been texting with my former colleagues at CNN, and, and they're scared. And one colleague, former colleague said, this is what happened when the president calls you the enemy of the people. That's right. And I thought, my gosh, you know, it's, it, the tone is coming from the top, and now CNN has become a target. Journalists that are simply trying to do and their we just, But we still don't know anything yet about where this is coming from and what the motive is and, and who the, the person or the people are behind it. So I, I, it's important to just be careful because we don't know yet. But in well, general... Why did CNN get the bomb? You know, so to be sure, I can't well, well, Fox and News hasn't gotten a bomb right. yet. <sighs> it's, it's, but it's Trump's fault, you see. I'm, I'm not saying that there's not a correlation here between or, or a clear link between all these different... Yeah, these are, these are powerful Democrats who have been targeted. But that they've been targeted doesn't tell us why they were targeted, as in the motivation, the ultimate motivation of the perpetrator. And to connect this to the president is just, it's just disingenuous. Uh, it's disingenuous. Uh, it really doesn't have any evidence. There's, no, there's nothing to tie this together other than they think that Trump is mean to them sometimes. 
Well, do they get to determine when Trump is not being mean to them? Do they get to determine when Trump has finally been acceptable in his expression of criticism of the media? One of the best and most powerful things that Trump has done is to challenge the media and to call them out for their bias and their lies. I don't want him to stop, and I refuse to allow the left-wing media to use this incident to stop him. It's a crazy world out there. People can come up with all kinds of ways to falsify their backgrounds. They obviously lie on their resumes. Maybe they lie on their about their income or even their criminal background. You, you want to make sure that whoever is doing those kinds of background checks for you is someone that you can trust that's all about professionalism and running a veteran-owned and operated business here in America because that's Global Verification Network. A lot of the other guys in this space, a lot of the other people that do background investigations and vetting, they'll send this work to be done overseas by third parties, and then they'll essentially take credit for it and send you the bill. Not Global Verification. They have risk mitigation experts across the country, and they work with companies of all sizes, from startups all the way up to Fortune 100 companies. No data or client information is ever offshored. All employees located in the United States. Go to mygvn.com or call 877-695-1179. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. For demonizing immigrants, migrants coming up uh, from Central America, trying to make their way to the United States and apply for asylum. When you're demonizing Middle Easterners and making the suggestion that they're they're terrorists and so on in that caravan without offering any proof, and then calling yourself a nationalist in front of thousands and thousands of people, I don't think it's a stretch for a lot of Americans out there to wonder whether or not the president is secretly considering himself a white nationalist. That's right. There you have a White House correspondent for CNN saying that he thinks the the president secretly thinks he's a white the, the president secretly considers himself a white nationalist, a neo-Nazi. These are the people that want to lecture us about civility. The ones who earlier today or was it last night? I think that was last night. Claim that the president is a secret crypto Nazi. Why do they think they have any ground to stand on here at all? You know, so so Trump speaks harshly about CNN and some of these other outlets. It's not just CNN, by the way. He trashes the New York Times. He trashes the Washington Post. I asked a New York Times reporter today. One of their it was actually their White House correspondent. I said, "Is the New York Times a liberal paper?" And I said, uh, "He goes, uh, well, the editorial page is, but uh, I work for the news side, and we're." I'm like, "Wow, we're really going to play this game, huh?" New York Times is not a liberal paper. Doesn't have a liberal bent. Isn't pushing liberal agenda items all the time. No, really? Really? How many front page stories the New York Times do on the Gosnell trial, for example? I mean, like, I could do this all day. New York Times is not a liberal paper. That's really the official line, huh? CNN's not not a liberal news outlet. That's that, that's the official story. Whoa, okay. Okay. That's what they'll say. That's what they do say. And Now they're telling us that the president is not civil enough for them. The president's attitude, you see, upsets them. The president is too boorish. He's too uncouth. 
And anything that goes wrong in America now that libs don't like, they will put at the president's feet. They will say very quickly and without any any hint of uh, any hint of honesty uh, that this is the president's fault and the president is the problem and he's the reason that we have all these issues. Um, it's it's getting tiresome, folks, isn't it? We've reached this point where it doesn't even matter what our side says or what we do. They have these narratives and they stick to them. They think it's useful. They want to believe that the president's a bad guy. So they say that everything that he does... And we've just gone from essentially Khashoggi was killed because of Trump. That was last week. And that's what they're... they're oh, it's because Trump says mean things about journalists. So Khashoggi was chopped up in little pieces and buried in a garden by the Saudis. And it's Trump's fault. Wow. Now here we are, a bunch of pipe bombs sent to prominent Democrats. And yep, you guessed it. It's Trump's fault. They don't even they don't even wait to see who's responsible for this. Uh, they they won't and and they want to make sure that no one keeps open even the possibility that the effect this will have. I mean, if we're really going to assess how this all came together, the effect this will have is that it takes a lot of heat off of Democrats for acting like maniacs. Yes, for the entire Trump presidency, but particularly the last three four months, Kavanaugh, the mobs in restaurants, all that. The Steve Scalise shooting by a Bernie Sanders supporter. Uh, you know, there's that they view this as, as an antidote to all of that politically. And now they can just point to this issue and say, oh, see? And the fact that, you know, you have uh, Vice President Pence out there. He's made this, he's made this very clear. Here's here's what they uh, here's what Pence said earlier today. Play 16. These cowardly acts are despicable and have no place in American society. I want to assure you we've deployed the full resources of the FBI, the United States Secret Service, and they're working very closely with law enforcement officials. We'll continue to monitor these investigations, and those responsible will be brought to justice. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That's what the vice president says. Does that change any of the tone or any of the tune you're hearing from the media on this? No. I actually saw someone say today, uh, I forget who the journalist was, another blue check, you know, Twitter journo person, uh, say that Trump's statement where he said there's no place for political violence in this country or threats in this country, that that was the bare minimum, that he said the bare minimum. I'm like, well, does he have to give a, an hour-long speech on this? I mean, well, well, they're just going to criticize him no matter what he does, whether it's Khashoggi or this or anything. They just... They hate him. They absolutely hate him. You know, earlier today, actually, they, they were just talking about that the president is such a liar. Oh, he's such a liar. He's so terrible. Notice, you know, my objections to Obama were that I thought he had bad ideas. He wasn't nearly as brilliant as the media pretend that he was. And he was arrogant. And he was doing bad things from a policy level. I actually don't have any personal beef with Obama. Like, I didn't, I didn't. You know, it wasn't about Obama the guy. It seems like he has a very nice family. Seems like he's a good dad. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff, actually. I look at Obama, I say, you know, that's that seems admirable. But I thought he was a bad president, and I disagreed with him. I didn't hate him, though. I didn't go to bed at night thinking, oh, that 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 scum Obama. It wasn't some maniac. But that's how they feel about Trump. And now because some maniac somewhere, we don't even know why yet, but some maniac somewhere sent these bombs, now we're supposed to believe that, what, Trump is supposed to be muzzled? 
I mean, here's what they were saying about him earlier in the day. Play clip four. I'm sorry, the president flat out lied, saying Congress was working on a plan and they were coming back before the election. He gets caught in the lie, he changes his story again and says we're going to get to it eventually. The president thinks you're stupid. The president thinks people are stupid. We're officially, it appears, in a fact-free zone. President Trump tries to play to his base with outright falsehoods. He's not even trying to hide his lies anymore. He's just yeah. blah, putting them all out there. He's spreading a lot of lies Why? about non-white people to all white crowds, Mika. Well, uh, a lot of what the president's saying is just not true. The president seemed to be in a bit of a fact-free frenzy. It's Trump respiration. He inhales oxygen, he exhales lies. This is a, an, an article of faith now on the left. You have to say this all the time. Whenever I ask them, what's the lie? What's the really damaging pernicious lie what is the lie on the level of if you like your health care plan you can keep it that president trump has told one that was done with forethought with malice and that had impact on the lives of tens of millions of americans negative impact what what is the lie that lines up with that what that his crowd size was the biggest ever that he's a stable genius you know, a lot of the stuff that he says you and i can recognize as him kind of joking around and talking as normal people do they're always oh, a liar, always oh, lying. You know, they're, they're always, they always jump right to the worst possible scenario. They never get tired of it either. Oh, my gosh. You know, the, the, the left and the media, they, they find endless ways to reach 11 on the outrage meter. You know, 10 is not enough. 11 on the outrage meter becomes this president. I know. I, I just get frustrated with it, too. It's, it's so tiresome. And. They're, all their calls for civility, are, they're, they're being made in bad faith. They're not calls for civility. They're not, really, from a lot of these uh, prominent leftists. They're calls for the right to be silent and to start getting pummeled again. They like the old order, where we sit around and we're polite and we, can, we as conservatives play by the rules and we're nice and we get punched in the face and say, oh, that wasn't nice, but I'm going to keep doing what I do. That's what they want us to go back to. Trump doesn't play that game. They're not saying let's all be good to each other. They defend the mobs in the restaurants. We'll talk more about that later. They defend these tactics. It's not just that they happen and they say, oh, well, we can't control everyone. They're favorable to this stuff. And now they're saying we all have to be civil and take the temperature down? After 18 months of propagandizing to their base, the president's a traitor, a sexist, a rapist, a, uh, you know, a, a racist, uh, everything. Crazy. Going to start a war. As a fascist, I mean, the stuff they've said about President Trump, it's, it's like nothing I've ever seen in my life. It is like nothing I've ever, it, it truly is. There's nothing that even comes close. Now they're going to be the civility police? Come on. Who takes this seriously? These people are, these people are really in need of a reality check. Um, really, you got Joe Scarborough. I mean, Scarborough, if I, if I just can for a minute here. I don't know Joe Scarborough. Never met him. Don't particularly care to. Uh, but this is a guy who was as chummy, chummy, buddy, buddy with the president as he could possibly be during the camp. When it really mattered as a journo to be an objective person, I know Scarborough's an opinion guy, but, you know, if he's a member of the media. And he had an opportunity to speak truth to power and all that. But no, he wanted to be cozy with power. He wanted to be close to power. And now, because Trump has snubbed him and Mika... Uh, now, because Trump has snubbed the, snubbed the two of them, he, he goes on these anti-Trump rage rants and refers to him today as unchristlike. I mean, this is, whew, here's what Scarborough said. Play six. 
history will look back and Americans will look back with shame uh, that we ever had a president like this one uh, that turned his back on the most basic, well, not only the most basic American concepts, uh, we defend our borders and, and we should defend our borders. People should only get in here legally. What Donald Trump's doing is not only anti-American, I will just say this as a guy that was raised in the Southern Baptist Church, at least based on the Bible I read, the Gospels that I read, the Good Samaritan story that I read, it's unchristlike. Yeah, that's right. Joe Scarborough's going back to his oh-so-Christian roots and uh, citing the Bible to criticize Trump. And this guy has no shame. No shame whatsoever. I mean, he goes over at MSNBC and uh, that that show, I have to say, on the morning, I I hear so much blather and so much nonsense. And as long as it's anti-Trump, you know, the audience is, yeah, that's good. I like that. That works. Really, it really is an embarrassment. But, you know, people people believe what they want to believe, unfortunately, in this world, my friends. And, you know, I'm here in the swamp. And what you find out more and more is that so many of these folks that that think that they're standing proud for the truth in the media. They're really just, it's all about their own their own brand, their own paycheck, and their own access all the time. They don't know what they'd do if they weren't doing this job, and they just want to get as cozy to power as possible. And if they're not in the Trump orbit, they want to be as far away from it as they can so they can be in the anti-Trump orbit. And there's very few people that even try to strike any kind of neutral balance anymore. I mean, this is just, this is a media war. We're in the midst of a media war. The notion that those who started this war in the mainstream media are the ones who are now calling for civility. It's just preposterous. It really is. Um, I want to talk to you about the mobs and all that coming up in a moment, but uh, we have we have, we have much more to discuss. I don't want to belabor this point today because we don't know enough about the bombs. I do have Joey Jones coming on a little bit to talk about what we know about the devices themselves. So we'll get into some of the technical aspects of this. So we're all really up to speed on that and, and also just what it takes to... Um, you know, get some of these, what it takes to be able to build some of these devices, what kind of skill set are we really talking about? So we'll, we'll get into uh, that. I'll have an update for you on the, on the caravan coming up, uh, which is all of a sudden, out of, it's really going to drop out of the news cycle very quickly. And I think it's because Democrats realize this does not, the, the Democrats pushing all the side in their quest to do everything they can for illegals, not, not a winning issue for them. Uh, they they don't doesn't work out the way they think it's going to work out ever. Um, we have that and, and much more. If you want to call 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. I'll be right back. When you talk about the word mob, the mobs that I see are the people who go to Trump rallies and laugh when Donald Trump mimics the testimony of an alleged victim of sexual assault. The mobs I see are the people who cheer when Donald Trump trots out the word, I'm a nationalist, and tells people to ignore the negative connotations, the lessons of history about what that's associated with. The mobs are the people who think they're faceless, but we see their faces. It's what you said. It's the people who take the mask off and and are defending and cheering these really unprecedented comments that until Trump were so far out of the mainstream, not only would you not see them at a televised political rally, you wouldn't really acknowledge them as part of a political coalition on either side. And that's from a Republican, folks. (laughs) That's from a talking head at MSNBC. Never forget this. 
these media elites that are now talking about civility, uh, they they have disdain for Trump voters, too. They think that people like you and me are beneath them, that we are contemptible, that we are gross, that we are um, uncouth, uneducated, and, you know, ill-bred. You know, we are bad. And that infects a lot of the way that they, yes, they report the news and they share information and, and just their perspective, their point of view is tainted by that. It's not just Trump that they despise. Just like whenever I talk to you about the Second Amendment, it's not, it's not really about guns, it's about gun owners. And with Trump, don't let them get away with, oh, it's, it's, well, some of them will be very open about it. It's not just Trump, it's Trump voters. They don't just despise the man and his policies. They despise all of us who have put our faith in him to get the job done. In fact, they despise us so much that they refuse to believe this very important. You can't understand the Trump phenomenon without knowing that he's in that role for very specific reasons. We've entrusted him to do certain things that, by the way, he has been doing. Um, And to shake up the political establishment, to take the fight to the left, and to push for less regulation, less taxation, all of the things that Trump has been pushing for and doing, that's why he's there. He's not there because we think that he, you know, never flies off the handle a little bit, maybe he's a little too salty with his language, you know, has a little bit too much of a, uh, maybe an excessive libido in his past. I mean, all of those things. Those are, it's not that we're not aware of those, and it's not that I think those are good things. It's just that, on balance, I want all the good stuff that Trump brings to the table, and he's doing that. But the Nicole Wallaces of the world think that we're all too stupid to make that kind of a calculation. Uh, They want to hold this to the Romney standard of put an ineffective Boy Scout up there so we can tear him apart, and then we'll pat you on the head when we put another leftist in who destroys the economy and socializes medicine. That's what they want to do. That's the plan. Uh, I'd rather not. I'd rather not allow that to uh, to happen. You know, not not on my watch if I could avoid it. By the way, uh, Russia collusion's falling out of the headlines. Tomorrow I'm going to have George Papadopoulos on Rising with me, so if you want to see that, very interesting interview. Uh, but I wanted to note something, because you know, this is a guy who's got some prison time, and for what? Uh, has a felony on his record now, and the whole thing is such a joke around him. But here's uh, Congressman Issa talking about this. Play eight. We're going into an election in which real wrongdoing two years ago is still not properly investigated. Well, uh, Special Investigator Mueller is continuing to indict people for unrelated crimes and act as though there's collusion when he hasn't had one piece of it that he's been able to demonstrate. So the, the voters are going in with some very interesting misinformation or lack of information. And two years is a long time. It's too long. And we should have deposed him today. Yep. I completely agree with Isa. You know, one part of this whole election that we don't talk about enough is how it is tainted by this uh, deep state action against the president. Not just the effort to create this false Russia collusion narrative, but also the Mueller probe, which grinds along, and with these trumped-up, oh, conspiracy against the United States charges. This stuff is crazy. It's nonsense. And that affects voting. That affects people's mindset about this president in really profound ways. So, you know, the, the left has already stacked the deck. They're already cheating, in a sense. They're already playing dirty. 
And who knows how much dirtier. I told you. You guys remember this. I said it a couple weeks ago. I think we got another October surprise. You know I said it on this show. We got something else that's going to hit us. And I can't tell you exactly what's going on today, but I can tell you that, well, certainly a surprise. Um, we've got to have a Joey Jones join us on the mechanisms of those bombs. Then we're going to talk about the caravan. So much more show. Going to be switching up topics shortly. Stay right there with me, team. Be right back. So the big story today, folks, is about bombs that have been sent uh, via the mail. In some cases, maybe hand-delivered. I want to bring somebody on who is a true bomb expert. We have with us Johnny Joey Jones now. He is a, a former Marine, and he was an EOD tech. So he was all about explosive ordnance disposal. Johnny was, was wounded in combat in his role as an EOD tech. And uh, he knows everything about these devices, how they're built, how you track them, and what they can do. Uh, Joey, great to have you on, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on today. All right, so from what we know right now, let's just go to the what, – what, what can we say about these devices, bunch of pipe bombs, any signatures, any sophistication or lack thereof, and what's notable to you about these bombs? Well, you know, I, I can only go off really the, the information we've been giving and, and the one picture that's out there. So I want to put that out front and say it's purely speculative, uh, just going off what we see and what we hear. Um, and so what we saw in what looked like a pipe bomb, and it had some sort of timing device on the outside of it and wires going in from both ends. And the idea there, if this is a functional bomb, what you would have is a bomb that either once that timer hit a certain time, a, a predetermined time it, in its past life, it would turn on a light or sound a noise. And so what you do is you take that same signal, that same electrical signal, and you reroute that into a circuit that detonates the bomb so that when normally the light would come on, the bomb detonates. Or when normally the bell would ring on an alarm clock, the bomb detonates. Um, the other way it could have been used would be to arm it. So if a switch is a break in a circuit, then an arming, uh, an arming mechanism is another break in the circuit. So the circuit's still open, but once the arming is closed, then the next thing that closes it, the switch, will set it off. So th we know in, in the use of timing devices, they're used for one of two things, either to predetermine when the bomb goes off or to give yourself as the bomb maker time to get away from it before it's armed. And so if this bomb is a functional device, which I have my own doubts or suspicions about what I could see in that picture, but if it's a if it's a functional device and we certainly have to treat it that way, then we would call this a time device, uh, either time to arm or time to detonate. And being that it was in a sealed package and there seems to be no other true mechanism of, uh, of detonation, then we kind of have to believe from what we can see from that picture that it's a time to detonate device, meaning they set you know, a certain amount of hours on that timer, and when it runs up, it would theoretically detonate. Now, that's going to be a, a very, I mean, and I would assume, Joey, you know, this this is going to be a very, uh, I don't know how to put this, sloppy way to try to target an individual, right? I mean, assuming this was actually sent through the mail to just have a timing device on it, you'd have to be guessing when it would, you know, it sounds like it's more likely it could blow up, still a risk to people, could really, could kill somebody, but could blow up in the mail processing center, or in the mailman's hand, perhaps, or, you know, in any number of phases, not including the targeted individual. Well, you know, it's, it, it becomes one of those talking points where I really need to think through how much information I'm willing to divulge in, in detail to any audience, because you just never know who's listening, and there's certain things that 
you know, our best our best kept secrets keep us alive. Uh, but right. not go into too much detail about how bombs are made. About 90% of what you put into a bomb is readily available at Walmart and the information is on the Internet. There's one or two components, really one specific part of the bomb that is really hard to make yourself, and it's even harder to get a hold of manufactured. And uh, and so what we have right now is if this is a complete device, meaning that it could function as as, as it appears to, then, uh, then that component's within the pipe, and if they can exploit or uh, take apart what is there to recover some of those pieces, then perhaps there's some signatures and some specific parts and pieces that could more easily point us in the right direction. What I would say, uh, were you really, um, just like in Austin, uh, the shipping of the package, uh, you know, the one that, that we're looking at now seems to be hand-delivered by a courier, but there's questions about the postage and was it actually put through uh, a delivery service or did someone just hand this package to someone outside and say, hey, I'll give you $20 to take this in that building? We don't know. And those those leads, those human leads, the tracking of the shipment, that's the first place we'll go. In the meantime, someone probably over at Quantico with the FBI will utilize some tools and techniques we have to safely disassemble this bomb. And uh, and if there are specific components that are serialized or manufactured at a very low rate from one manufacturer, then that's going to give us a lot of information right there. And those are the types of leads that allow us to find these people very quickly. Joey, I mean, if if you uh, you obviously had, had a lot of of actual professional training in the Marine Corps with this, and I know it's 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 many many months of just bomb training before you're even doing your job out there out there in the field. But give give me just a, a ballpark. If someone really decides to do this, uh, and I, I had some explosives fan back in the agency with with the household stuff. That was a whole other thing, right? With to your point about the ninety percent of it is stuff that you could readily buy. I actually spent some time training with. Okay, well, let's make some stuff. Let's make some bombs with things you could readily uh, readily get anywhere. But for the for an average person who just wants to base it off the internet or whatever, how how hard is this to do? Well, it's not easy to the sense of if you if you create a bomb that that is you can detonate with an electrical charge, uh, meaning it has an electrical detonator. Um, that's not an easy thing to do unless you find a way to get a hold of a, of a certain piece, an initiator is what we call it, uh, which is basically a small mechanism that sets off the larger explosion. That's that's the hardest thing to get a hold of and the hardest thing to make. The amount of chemistry it would take at home to do that. Is not easy, and a lot of times what would happen, even here in the States, but especially overseas, is we'd find out someone was planning to bomb somebody because they would blow themselves up trying to make it. Um, so that's not the easiest part uh, to make for sure. For the bulk explosives, the thing about that is that they're very simple mixtures, but usually the simpler it is, the harder it is to set off, thus you need a specific type of initiator to set it off. We take C4, we roll it out and set it on fire and cook our coffee on it just to show how uh, how stable it is, but it's also very powerful when applied in a certain way. So all that's to say is that you can make the majority of these things at home, but there's still a few parts and pieces and some knowledge that isn't readily available, and we hope to keep it that way. Now, in terms of the uh, the investigative part here, and again, I know, you know sources and methods, right? It's something that you you are very aware from your time dealing with these devices out in the field and also the uh, the way that I feel, I mean, my sense from the counterterrorism side is that the knowledge about bomb making, unfortunately, with the Internet 
has spread much further and faster than at any other time in human history. Uh, but yeah. looking at this from the investigator's perspective now, you know, what, what are some of the, the, the basic things that we can all count on them doing to try to track down who this individual is or individuals? Absolutely. I think, I think first and foremost is, is tracking any type of shipment just because we inherently track things we ship anyway. So there's all types of mechanisms and infrastructure in place for that. Then the next thing you're looking at are any serialized or specific components within the bomb or the packaging that are that are so specific and so rare that you can narrow down where they were purchased at or when they were purchased or when they were manufactured. And then from there, you're looking at things like Internet searches and electronic receipts. There's going to be a brand of something on, this, on these devices that's consistent on all of them or most of them that isn't utilized a whole lot. I mean, who uses a, a handheld timer for much? Or if it was pulled off of a specific kind of alarm clock, then we can look at where those were sourced and where was seven of them bought at one time. And, uh, and so our electronic fingerprint is so heavy now, um, it's almost impossible to not have one. Um, and so those are the things you're looking at. If the parts and pieces of the bombs don't take you there, then the activity of the person seeking the information a lot of times will. And that's your first place. And then from there, just like in Afghanistan, human intelligence. Somebody saw something. Somebody heard something. Somebody read something. And tips go a long way, and sometimes they're, they're our most reliable piece of evidence. And I think that in, in those categories, we can bet our bottom dollar those are the places that law enforcement is looking now. Some of the other places that are more obvious, but looking at some of the characteristics here, like the printed label uh, and, and things like that, would be fingerprints. Uh, none of these devices exploded, so they're all very much intact. Anywhere there is tape, there's an opportunity to pick up a fingerprint. Uh, you'd be surprised how well we can do that. And, um, and chances are this person probably uh, utilized gloves and don't believe they left the fingerprint, but even people that are cognizant of those things end up making mistakes. So we'll find, um, you know, there's a lot of DNA and personal uh, forensics left behind on just about anything. Um, and so that's a place that is pretty reliable as well. All right. Joey Jones, everybody, former Marine EOD tech and uh, one of the primary legitimate experts that you'll see on TV in the days ahead as we try to figure out what's going on with this issue. Joey, always appreciate you taking the time, man. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Rising. Absolutely. Have a great night. Thanks for your service, sir. Good to talk to you. Team, we're going to hit a quick break. We'll be back with much more. Stay with me. So, no, because your youth wing, in the last the week, little, he specifically follow you are doing this. I mean, I know I must have 10 people have been yelled at until they had to leave restaurants. All conservatives. Is that OK with you? Does I, that I don't know who you're referring you? to. I am OK with Sarah Sanders, Secretary Nielsen and Mitch McConnell. Yes. Mitch McConnell was more you're in danger okay. of so, salmonella in that restaurant so than he was. Hillary Clinton. No one's in been a restaurant. And I walk up. To I, her I've and been I with her when she's accosted. No, but. I, I get it. It's not. But are you there's okay a difference with that? There's a difference between being unpleasant. She leaves. There's a difference between being unpleasant and something being okay. Obviously, if you're protesting something, you're disagreeing. Well, with how that. about you? Say, what if we I, if I separated not? children from their parents and I went to dinner at a Mexican restaurant, I would realize that well, there's about, a possibility. How about if I endorse third term abortion? So there you have the big separation. Okay, especially on a day like today where we're going to be uh, lectured by the left about about civility all of a sudden. Keep in mind that that exchange, that was on Tucker Carlson's show, not tonight, but, but last night, uh, that exchange was between a very senior and trusted Clinton, Hillary Clinton aide, uh, Philippe Reigns, and, of course, Tucker, who people will say looks like Buck 
So it's Buck and Tuck. Uh, or people say that I look like Tucker, but they don't know any, they don't know anything because clearly Tucker looks like me. Uh, but they're having this exchange, and you notice that that he makes it clear, Reigns makes it clear that to him, and this is true of many other Democrats I know, the harassment and stalking and mob tactics of the left against politicians or people they don't like, that's acceptable. They don't say, oh, sorry, this is just some other thing. You know, this is just some other group that we don't we don't endorse or we're not associated with. This isn't representative of us. They actually try to justify this behavior. And I keep having to point out to people that the the line between if I were at a restaurant and 40 people were up in my face and I was with my girlfriend or my spouse or whatever, uh, or even just with family members or friends, and people were cursing at me and yelling at me and threatening me, the line between that activity and someone getting their nose broken on either by me or by them, right? I mean, on one side or the other, is the, that line is very thin, very small. All it takes is one person who thinks they're going to give you a little shove, one person who just crossed easily. They're already screaming in your face. They're already yelling at you in a restaurant. They're already embarrassing you, humiliating you, and trying to intimidate you. You really think it's that hard for one of them to all of a sudden, you know, give a little shove, give a little push, and things get out of control? You know the answer to that. But what's so important here is that the left, I, you know, as soon as those idiots went after Nancy Pelosi, I said, and every other conservative that I know and, and respect came out and said, those people are, are morons. What they're doing is a disgrace. And not only is their behavior wrong, but by acting in that way, they, they really did the progressive left, they did the Pelosi wing of the Democratic Party a big favor. Uh, but, oh, by the way, they, they talk specifically about that. And Reigns, because they, they have to pretend there's some consistency, Reigns will say, as he did to Carlson, oh, no, that's okay. What they did to Pelosi is okay. Play 21. So is it okay to scream at Nancy Pelosi until she leaves a restaurant? And the answer is no, it's not okay. I, it's never okay. I think what happened with Nancy Pelosi was fine the other day. She was walking out of a fundraiser and a group was protesting. she was sitting protesting. there with her daughters. You don't see any, you don't see any of us if yelling about it. If I walked up and said, Nancy Pelosi, I'm going to yell at you until you leave the Palm because you, have a, you support a policy I disagree with. I think a normal person would say, you know, you're, if you you're don't like hypothetical, it, hypothetical. That's not what happened it's with any of these because conservatives don't do it because they're not monsters. In the last 10 Look, I think it needs to be said, and I appreciate that Tucker said it. And, you know, thank God that people like Tucker have the kind of platform they do where they can push back on this nonsense. You know, conservatives, we have a political culture. And in our political culture in this country, it is unacceptable to, you know, surround people when they are engaged in private activity. Not to say they're in public, but I mean, they're not, they're not at a, you know, they're not on stage they're not. And look, I think the behavior when they're on stage is bad, but it's just it's just different degrees. Right. It's one thing if you want to make a lot of noise and heckle people on Capitol Hill. I think that's childish and stupid and you should get arrested. But I don't think that it's you know, I, I don't think that it's necessarily dangerous to the people. Right. Like the Capitol Police there and there's you know there's cameras there. But when you're at a restaurant and you think that, you know, by the way, where, where does that stop? What about waiting for somebody outside their home? You know, I, I wonder what Democrats think about that. Can 40 people wait? Wait outside your apartment in, in uh, on Capitol Hill or in, you know downtown Washington D.C. If you're a member of the House, the Senate, and and then can they follow you? Can they follow you everywhere you go? You know this whole notion of they're in public so they can be a a target of our disdain now. 
oh, well, they're in a restaurant. I mean, I really get angry when I hear Democrats say things like, oh, sorry, they can't just, you know, enjoy their frog legs as they sit there at the table while people are losing their health care. I mean, just this childish talking point stupidity. You know, you hear a lot of that. Oh, they can't enjoy their, you know, their roast chicken while the poor people out in America are suffering, right? I mean, they, they try to create this whole narrative to justify their whiny, childish, bratty behavior, which is really a very common and very widespread characteristic of activist Democrats. They're whiny, screaming children, and they act out, and they throw tantrums, and then they want the media to tell them that those tantrums are okay. And the media does. And important political figures. I mean, as much as you think this guy, Philippe Reigns or Reigns or ever say his name is important. So this is, this is the distinction. They're not hiding that they're okay with this behavior. Not only do they do this stuff and we really don't, or at least we rarely, our side rarely does, they celebrate. They endorse when their side is engaged in mob tactics. And they really hope that the American people forget that before Election Day. Really interesting study I saw this week about how people uh, don't really trust Facebook that much anymore. Well, that's really not surprising, is it, when you see all of the stories out there about shadow banning, about gaming the algorithm so that it pushes progressive causes and shuts off discussion about things like the Second Amendment, about free speech, about any number of issues that are really important to conservatives. That's why we need a space where there's none of that agenda or censorship. Snippy. Snippy.com is a new social media platform that you can join and share your thoughts and know that there's nothing getting in the way of your conversations with whomever you want. You can follow people, check out the news feed, look at what your favorite writer's up to, and put your thoughts there. S-N-I-P-P-Y.com. Again, Snippy.com. No censorship, no agenda. Let your opinions be heard. Snippy.com. Let's get the discussion rolling. Well, there's a lot to unpack in that. Keep in mind, there is no evidence of any criminals in the Central American caravan. No evidence that somehow Democrats are funding the caravan. We've even heard this bizarre George Soros rumor sitting out there. And it's also hard to pass any tax cut without Congress in session until November 13th. So no evidence, Chuck Todd says. No evidence at all that, there's any, that there are any criminals in, uh, in this whole... 7,000. Now, I mean, I, I've seen reports as high as 10,000 today, but this 7,000 person caravan that, yes, is very slowly making its way toward the United States. Um, and do I do I have my doubts at the level ever get to the U.S. border? Yeah. But as I've said, if all of a sudden we find out there are a whole bunch of buses taking people back and forth, that that wouldn't be the craziest thing I've ever heard. And if you start hopping on a bus, now you're talking about getting there in, you know, maybe a week. So, and it doesn't have to be all of them, by the way. Remember how much average coverage the last caravan got? The last caravan was like a couple hundred people by the end. So, you know, there's there's a lot of ways this could play out. But I just want to tackle that Chuck Todd statement there for a second. Where it's, oh, there's, there's no evidence. There's no evidence that there are any criminals that have anything to do with anything here and blah, 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 and all that. Uh, okay, well, well hold, hold on one second. Um before we accept that at, at face value, I'm pretty sure that I, I heard differently from somebody who is part of the caravan on Fox News. They asked one of the guys walking with the caravan, who's in this caravan? And this is what he said, play 23. I'm sorry, play 24. Criminals is everywhere. 
Okay? Uh, it's criminals in here. I mean, it is. But <laughs> criminals is everywhere. It's, it's here, not so. that many. I mean, it's, it's good people in here trying to get through. Yeah, of course, it's good people uh, too. Through Mexico and then get to the United States, but that doesn't mean that everybody's a criminal, right? Yeah, of course, not everybody's. No one's suggesting that everyone's a criminal. I mean, there are women and children. You know, America is such a big-hearted country, and and our people are generally speaking, so kind and so welcoming, actually, of outsiders. And that often gets lost in this discussion. You know, that's why to remember that we we have we are, are bringing a million people a year into the American family, either as citizens or as green card holders every year, a million people every single year. Ten years have passed. We have 10 million new either permanent residents or citizens in this country who were formerly citizens of another country or at least permanent residents of another country. We're bringing in people all the time in huge numbers through our legal immigration system. And yet we are told that if we don't take this group of refugees or that group of refugees or this group of illegals or that group of illegals, that we're terrible people and we're essentially the equivalent of white nationalists. And those of you who are listening who are not white and who agree with me on all these issues, you're not a white nationalist according to the left. You're just, uh, I guess, a nationalist. But, but nonetheless... Um, which, as we know, they also think is a, uh, a very, very, very bad thing. I saw you know, CNN trying to make some trying to make some hay of that. You know, oh, he said nationalist and trying to Nazis. I think it was actually Jeff Tubin who who said it doesn't really mean it doesn't mean Nazism. I tried to get some, and, and you know, one of the anchors at at CNN or one of the correspondents, whatever, is like, oh no. We know we know what nationalists are. It's terrible. It's terrible what he said. Uh, of course it is. Um, they they want to get away from this story of the caravan um, because the left realizes that this is a loser for them going into the election, and they are they are constantly dealing with the following tension: uh, the tension that comes from not being able to tell. And this is true of the Democrats in general. They are not able to tell the American people what they really think and what they really believe and maintain their electoral prospects. You know, they're the ones who always have to play this game on things like immigration, which is why that Obama soundbite where he said, you know, you can't you can't sneak into this country. It's not allowed. Uh, we're not going to let people just surge into into this place. Some people I saw, I think it was Maggie Haberman at The New York Times wrote, oh, well, I thought Obama was, you know, was so. uh you know, so pro illegals. It's like, yeah, he's lying when he says that he wants to secure the border. She can't, she can't figure that out apparently. Uh, but you, but you see this time and again where the left is just being dishonest about what they really want. And um, you know, by the way, this this was new. You have uh, MSNBC with a guy blaming the Reagan administration for the play clip ten, please. That they also need to call out the fear-mongering that Trump is doing. But one other thing I would add to that, what Democrats should and ought to say, is that people fleeing some of these countries are fleeing some of these countries because of conditions created by Republican foreign policy, particularly in the Reagan administration. So if you have a problem with those images, we can go back over time and see why these countries are in the condition that they're in. That's right, folks. It's American foreign policy's fault that Honduras is a a hellhole of crime and corruption and, and violence. 
it's it's America's fault. You see, every country anywhere in the world that's in bad shape is somehow our fault. That's the view of the left. And it also informs their immigration policy. Don't think that that's just a throwaway. Because the progressives in this country believe that America has only become so rich and powerful on the backs of the third world and essentially the non-white regions of the globe. That is a widespread left-wing belief. You see it in, in, uh, in academia. You see it in media. Uh, this is not unusual at all. And in fact, some of the Obama administration approach to foreign policy was also informed by this idea that America, look, this is why there was all the bowing and the apology tour. And, you know, America has, has a lot to apologize for. And the dysfunctions in Central America are somehow, according to leftists, the fault of America. And therefore, we shouldn't be saying, hold on a second, we, you know, we, we can't force American taxpayers to subsidize all the dysfunction, all the problems in Central America. That's not fair. They say, oh, no, no, no. You owe that to them, see? This is a fascinating and very destructive worldview that the left has, but it informs the Democrat Party's foreign policy. And the basics of it are that anything that we have to do when it comes to immigration, whether it's taking in refugees or taking in illegals, that is going to exact a cost upon the American taxpayer is completely justified because we owe them, you see. It's our fault that these countries aren't more prosperous, are so corrupt. Um, it's, it's always our fault in the left's view. And really what it is is a globalized victimology, right? That, that other countries, their people are victims of the United States and therefore the Democrats need to be in charge in this country to make amends for all that victimization. I know it's, it's like we're sitting and, and having some kind of a psychiatric session whenever we talk with the Democrats, but that's just where they are. They have unfortunately embraced an ideology that is detached from reality. The hearing with as much doubt as certainty, and that's that's how I felt that. But there was so much so, ambiguity the way you're describing yeah, it. Why there, not just find another person who had none of this ambiguity? Well, there, there are is, many judges out there who are quite yeah. capable of the job. That's a valid view. On the, on the flip side, people have some uh, justification that if the mere allegation with no corroboration is sufficient to disqualify someone, we've entered a new phrase, phase that we probably so don't want to enter. Me. No. no, I don't know. I don't and I think know. I don't know is I, a I fair answer. So there you had Jeff Flake, who, to be fair, eventually did the right thing as a, uh, as a senator from Arizona, as a Republican, and as a human being in the whole uh, Kavanaugh hit debacle, right? The effort to malign and destroy Judge Brett Kavanaugh. And, and you heard a couple of very important continuing points of, of disagreement and, and conflict there. Right? One of them is this, this notion, uh, this notion that, uh, well, because they created a mess, around Kavanaugh because of all these members, it was a circus of allegations, three different women, women talking about gang rapes and, you know, you know, the, and, and two of the three were completely and utterly not credible, discredited even further by their own actions and statements. Once they made the allegations, one of them, because they were so vague and so distant and because of 
uh, the testimony that she gave, people said, okay, well, maybe that's, maybe that could have happened, but the other ones were just, were not credible. I mean, the other ones were space aliens landed and kidnapped me level, in my opinion, based on all the facts. It's just not believable. But she, she being, uh, what's her name? Joy Behar. Joy Behar there takes this position that I heard a lot of people say, why can't we just get another judge, a different judge? Oh, oh yeah, because that sends a good message. Let's ruin Kavanaugh's life and let's show the Democrats that all they have to do is create doubt around somebody. You know, create doubt around somebody from allegations with no inf- no evidence, no corroboration whatsoever. They should suffer consequences. I, I don't want to live in that America, and I know many of you don't either. Unfortunately, enough Americans still believe in truth and the rule of law and decency and justice that they said, I- I'm sorry, that's not the way this is going to go. That's not the way this is going to be. And Kavanaugh got through. But I, I think that Flake, who... Put, you know, he's clearly on this, oh, I want everyone to still like me thing. You know, that's why he's going on The View. Um, and and he's subjecting him, he's subjecting himself to the women of The View. I mean, some of the women on The View are uh, are sharp cookies. You know, I guess cookies aren't really sharp, but you know what I mean. So, I mean some, some of them are, are astute observers. And, you know, Whoopi Goldberg is a very, very dynamic television character, you know, television host, television character. Um but, you know, you look at some of the other uh, folks that are on that. I mean, I'm really just talking about Joy Behar. And, and I think Sonny Hostin's pretty unimpressive. But Joy Behar strikes me as an idiot. And, you know, she's there and she's saying these things. And he's treating her with some degree of her opinion with, with, with this degree of deference that I don't think it's owed. And then Hostin comes in and says, you know, did you not believe her? And, and this then really does turn into almost a, a question of near religious belief. Like, if you don't believe... Uh, if you didn't believe Professor Ford, you are some kind of evil person who should be anathema to society. Meanwhile, I see her go, no, I, I, do, I do not believe her. I, I do not believe her. And by the way, I think that she's very lucky that people did not, uh, you know, I, I think she's very lucky that uh, he did not, or people did not dive into some of the lies that she told. Uh, like, for example, about ast- installing the second door. W- were there or were there not permits that proved that she lied about that? You know, I-, I saw information about it. No one really wanted to spend any time on it. Well, that- so so we've just let that go. Uh, meanwhile, these other women, uh, Swetnik and uh, the second one was, I think, Ramirez. They signed these sworn statements. People keep saying, oh, there's a sworn statement under penalty of perjury. Yeah, but you have to be able to prove it's perjury. And when someone says, yeah, this thing, if I signed a sworn statement that says to all of you, yeah, you know, I was walking down the street and I saw a raccoon doing the limbo uh, and it was really amazing. And it was 10 years ago on this little street that, you know, no one lives on. But I saw this raccoon doing the limbo and it was it was the most amazing thing in my life. You know, you, you really can't prove that I'm lying. So you really can't prove that I'm telling you that I'm perjuring myself. Um, so, you know, that's the, that's the truth of it. I mean, and that's what happened here. If you say that something happened 30 years ago, you don't know where, you don't know when, you don't know who really, other than one person. And, you know, th- then they say that, well, why, why don't they disprove this once? Well, it's not possible to disprove. Anyway, I'm just, I, as you can tell, I get very frustrated 
that this is still out there. I, I had a very nasty exchange on Twitter recently. It was a few days ago with a woman who claims to be a GOP strategist. I'm telling you, the, the never Trumpers are the worst, not just on this. They're the worst on everything. The, the never Trumpers, because they thought they were taking some really brave stand that was actually, mo- for the most part, people who, remember, it's one thing to be never Trump before the election. Once the election happens and Trump wins, now we're getting into, is this all about you or is this all about principles and Trump? And and the people that, that have clung to, have been clinging to this, is clung, uh, is that the past parcel, does that work? I've been clinging to this still. I find a lot of them did just, they've, they've gone crazy. They really have. And there's one woman, I won't name her because she's, I mean, look, honestly, she's kind of a loser and it doesn't really matter. Uh, but she came after me and started, just because I said, um, that it was worse. What they said about Kavanaugh was worse than, I don't even remember, but was worse than something that someone said was the worst thing in American politics in the last week. And this woman, who's supposedly a GOP strategist, which really just means that I think for a lot of people, you know, they used to fetch coffee for Karl Rove or something, uh, but a, the, you know, a GOP strategist and said I was being a rape apologist and, and was encouraging people. And they said, oh, he must have something in his background he's hiding from. These people are just vicious idiots. Vicious idiots. So I bring this up in part because, one, I mean, seeing Jeff Flake out there and just in full-on, oh, I just want the MSM to really like me mode and, you know, I want to be be invited to the big speakers bureau events and get a big book advance. I want to be treated like I'm fancy and all this stuff. Uh, You know, it's annoying, but that's Jeff Flake for you. But I just don't want any of us, I don't want any of you to forget the fact that there is still this mentality out there and there are still plenty of people who really do believe, uh, they really do believe that Kavanaugh is a rapist, basically. And, and they aren't done with this thing. They are waiting until there's an opportunity to resurrect this. They've gotten a little quiet about it now because they know it's bad for the electoral prospects of the Democratic Party, but don't think that this this anti-Kavanaugh, really feminist fundamentalist movement uh, has gone away. It, it's just gone to ground, gone you know quiet for a couple of weeks here so the American people don't realize that, yes, this group has a, a home in the Democratic Party and the left, and sure enough, you know they're going to come back with this stuff. So while this little exchange in the view, you can say, oh, Buck, why do you care? Trust me, once if they get the house back, they're going to have investigations. I think they're going to I think they're going to try to to uh, redo the whole Kavanaugh thing. again. they they never learn their lesson because they always have an excuse. Right. They'll if the system doesn't give them what they want, well, then they want to change the whole system. Right. If, If they didn't win the game, then they want different referees. If they can't get different referees, they want different rules for the referees. I mean, the left is insatiable in its quest for power, but also for personal affirmation that generally comes in the form of vengeance against the other side. A show of hands, how many of you think overall Hillary Clinton is more of a liability than an asset to the Gillum campaign? Almost all of you. Hillary Clinton is seen as this kind of figure that the right rails against. They go to rallies and they say, lock her up. Her post-presidential sort of, you know, demeanor her platform has been very sort of self-indulgent and very much about relitigating what happened in 2016. In our generation, my generation, doesn't 
really respond to you know this relitigation of 2016 and I want to call it whining but like at this point that's kind of what it, it feels like I am concerned and um, as a young person um, he, he nailed it. We're going forward, progressive movements, progressive policies, looking ahead, and I think she represents an old Democratic Party. Hillary Clinton's a rallying point for the right. They use that messaging against Hillary Clinton to drive out their vote. So I think you could end up seeing a huge boost in their numbers because you've, you're, you have Hillary Clinton now on the other side being associated yeah. with Gillum so close. Hillary Clinton not exactly getting the love there from a, a panel of people who were Democrats. That's a CN, that was a CNN panel interviewing Florida Democrats. And, and you know, this is one of the, the issues, one of the problems the Democratic Party is going to have to find a way to deal with. And that is they have all of these establishment politicians who are really, you know, retreads. You know, they, they just they don't go away. They uh, cling to power forever, and they have no sense of, of self-awareness of what they're doing to the Democratic Party's chances going forward. I mean, Pelosi and Clinton are really you know, two of the most powerful people in the Democratic Party still. Pelosi is likely to be, it's crazy to say, Nancy Pelosi, she's likely to be the next speaker of the house if the democrats i know i know bite my tongue but i'm just saying if the democrats win the house very likely that nancy pelosi is going to be the next speaker and and hillary hillary's running again folks hello no she is she's running again what happened was 2020 she thinks that she's going to be in the mix once more and i've told you why the, the Democrats, the, the, the whole mentality is that they have not really accepted where uh, what happened. They, they haven't really accepted that Trump won. That's why there's such a fixation on you know coming up with some explanation for how Trump cheated, essentially. That's why there's some version of all that stuff in 2016 that wasn't really the American people speaking out. That wasn't the American people choosing something different for their leadership, it was that the Russian collusion, whatever, whatever, so, something. It doesn't even matter what it is at this point, you know, something. And by the way, I, I, uh, I'm going to be talking to, uh, on Rising tomorrow, George Papadopoulos. And, and I, I, I got a chance to speak to him today. We're, we're, we're going to be airing it tomorrow morning. You know, Papadopoulos is the guy that they have built this whole narrative around that, oh, because of Papadopoulos, uh, that's why they needed to set up this FBI investigation. Uh, I spoke to this guy. It, it, the FBI and the Department of Justice should be so embarrassed that this is a person that they thought they should bring all these resources to bear against. Th that He says that he had Western intelligence agents set upon him and try to entrap him. I mean, that, that's he makes it very clear. I mean, you'll, you'll see it in the interview. And... This is why the guy got the guy got 14 days in jail for, you know, misremembering the date of a conversation with Joseph Mifsud. You know, the reason it was 14 days and not four, you know, and not four years is because everybody knows that it was irrelevant. It wasn't even a material fact. It didn't matter. It's not like, oh, because he lied about the date, it changed the narrative of his guilt or something else. No, they they just wanted to hammer him. And this is what we, we are dealing with a mass irrationality in this country about Trump's election. 
in in many ways. And I know today is a particularly uh, sensitive day to talk about that, but it's very much there, and, and it's part of the America that we're we're living in right now. Uh, so I, I just I just would note that please do check it out. The interview, well, I'll post it tomorrow, so you'll see it. But the interview that I have with Papadopoulos and. You know, you'll see what I mean. Anyway, Hillary thinks she's running again. Pelosi thinks she's going to be next Speaker of the House. Some Democrats are fed up with it, but I don't think they're really going to learn their lesson until Trump gives them a walloping in 2020. Maybe then they'll learn. Roll Call is up next. Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. My team, gosh, what a what a day! Roll call is going to give me a little little chance to get some uh, g- gain some sanity here and uh, take a breath after what's been a just a whew, man. That's a cra- it's a crazy world we live in. That much is for sure. Jill Marie writes, "Hi Buck, was in a grocery store last night and passed a guy wearing a Black Rifle Coffee T-shirt. Kind of threw me back." Don't see many America-loving conservative types out here in Monterey, California. Gave him a thumbs up and said I liked his t-shirt and that I listened to the Buck Sexton show. He kind of shrugged and said he got it from his son and daughter-in-law who live in North and South Carolina. Anyway, it was good to see Jill Ty, Jill Marie. Well, uh, Jill, you know, uh, thank you for thinking of me. And Black Rifle is a great and, uh, and loyal sponsor and friend of the show. But uh, there are there are ways you can get the T-shirt that don't have to do with my show, unfortunately. But that's why everybody listening should use BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. Whenever you buy anything there, let them know that you heard about them on The Buck Sexton Show. Uh, they're great guys, by the way. I mean, the guys who run that company, they're a lot of fun. Uh, they really, they've got a great corporate culture, which just means they're a fun company to work at. Everyone I talk to there loves it. So, you know, support a great company and some kick-ass veterans. Uh, Jenna writes, good show as always. When I had my first child, I researched vaccines extensively and have come to conclusions for my family. I am thankful that we have a choice, at least in Wisconsin. I just don't want vaccinations to be mandatory for all because not everyone is the same person. Shields high. Uh, well, Jenna, I, I think that people should have the choice. You know, the, the, the government shouldn't be forcing you under what? I mean, pain of fine or imprisonment to do anything to your children. Uh, when it comes to vaccinations, but when it comes to schools and places that are going to make decisions about communal safety, uh, then I do think it is reasonable. Then I do think it's it's acceptable for people to say, well, you can choose not to vaccinate, but we're not going to expose other people to the possibility of someone who has not been vaccinated to bring that particular pathogen into our uh, environment. Brandon writes, have a MD friend. He's a podiatrist. Uh, interesting. Podiatrists actually don't have MDs generally. They have a doctor of podiatry degree. But anyway, he's a very smart guy, even though he's a Navy vet. Ha ha. He has several children and does not get them vaccinated. I can ask him if he would be willing to talk to you about it. He was never brought up with, uh, with that with me, so I, I should follow his lead, but I can see I'll talk with you. If he'll talk with you personally, I have my kids vaccinated, but I'm open to finding out why people like my friend chose not to vaccinate their children. Also have a friend whose daughter was completely healthy until she received her vaccines. Now she gets around in a scooter and is the cutest little girl. Let me know if you would like to speak to either one or both of them. I'll set that up. God bless you, sir. Airborne all the way. 
Brandon. Well, thank you, Brandon, for writing in, and thank you for your service. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm looking to speak to uh, any person who happens to have a, an, an MD who is interested in this or, or has opinions on this. I, I want someone who this is their area and they have an MD. I'm not trying to hide the football here, but you know, if you find me someone who is a uh, who is a dermatologist somewhere and that person doesn't like vaccines for their kids, uh, I mean, I'd be curious. I mean, I'm not saying that, that that I wouldn't want to hear that opinion. I, I, I'm not trying to also change the goalposts here. An MD is an MD, but I'm really looking for somebody who has published research work uh, pub, you know, on this issue and not just, well, this is kind of my personal opinion. I also happen to have an MD. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen that. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm open to always open to new evidence. I, I, whatever new evidence we're talking about on any subject, I'm willing to hear that. And it would really be to my discredit if I were not willing to hear that. So, uh, we shall see. Um, mud writes, Buck, what if a militia comprised of prior government-trained professionals, met the convoys at the border. What if they remembered their oaths to their country and the American people? Would they be liable for discarding that oath? Once a Marine, always a Marine. What if an American citizen, uh, fed up with the Republic's bureaucracy, stood with these leaders? The decision that we are the last defense against an invasion force. An invasion force should echo from here to the border and to the heavens, so there's that. Uh, this brand, rather, should echo from here to the heavens. Cheers, uh, Mud, Matthew. Um, I, well, the, the point is that the Border Patrol has to tell people not to come into the country illegally. Uh, but what I will tell you, and many others won't, is that they are, they are abusing the process right now by, they're not technically illegals. And I, I, we all need to understand this. If they show up at a port of entry and they're from Honduras and they claim that they are in credible fear of their lives uh, or, you know, whatever the specific verbiage is that they're all using because they've been told this is what they should say. They are not technically at that point illegals. They will become illegals when they are led into the interior of the United States and they do not show up for their hearings uh, or if they're at their hearings, they are told that they must leave the country and they don't. But it's important we get all this right. And they're not technically illegals if they show up at a port of entry or even if they claim defensive asylum. Asylum laws are very, the I shouldn't say laws, asylum process is very favorable to anyone who shows up in the United States and, and claims that they have an asylum case. So we gotta got to remember that. Uh, TJ writes, Buck, about these bomb packages, I know it's too early to tell, but my money is that it was the Russians. They know both sides will blame each other and thereby, thereby resulting in more political chaos, similar to how Russians paid for political ads on both sides during the 2016 election to promote disdain. TJ, my friend, I, I can't tell you if you're right or wrong on this one. I, all I can tell you is that, um, you know, we don't know. It, we, we really just have no idea. Um, you know, we don't, we don't know who's behind this. We know that it's, uh, it's a terrorist act and that's, that's kind of where I have to leave it for now. I, I don't, you know, the speculation at some point can lead you down a road of, well, let's just say that once it turns into more wild guest territory, you're really not helping yourself or anybody else out. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to withhold my fire on this and Hey, you guys know this, all right? When there are tough calls and I feel strongly about them, I'll make it right away. 
And and I I knew right away that it was a, the fix was in against Kavanaugh and that that was all a hit. That was a an ambush. Um, but, you know, that that but this one, I just can't tell you that I have enough of a enough of a sense of what's going on to to go too deep into it. I'm just I'm just telling you the truth. I mean, yes. Is there a part of me that thinks that if you were trying to create a lot of sympathy for the Democrats uh, and for the left right before an election that this. Sure. That, that, everyone is thinking that in the back of their minds, but that's not enough to say, well, that's what I really believe. That's what the evidence leads me to believe is happening. That's a different thing. Aries writes, uh, brilliant analysis as it concerns the media's propaganda toward Trump. They will sim- uh, simultaneously say some, uh, Trump is in Putin's pocket while saying he will start a nuclear arms race with Russia. Maybe they're flipping out over Trump's handling of the Khashoggi incident, trying to create the narrative that Trump is in uh, KSA's pocket because the king of Saudi Arabia, because the narrative of him being in Russia's pocket isn't working out so well. Funny how you call the situation with KSA and Turkey like a scene out of The Sopranos. I thought the best way to handle it, it was like a scene out of The Sopranos, especially dealing with these characters. Max Boot is a disgrace. I have a few of his books. I won't be buying any more. By the way, speaking of jackasses, did you see Don Lemon reading the Ten Commandments with Max Boot on air and how Trump has violated them? Uh, man, there you go. Aries, thanks for writing in, man. I always know that when I, when I get there, the, Aries is part of that is part of that team buck crew. When when they write in to tell me I'm doing good on something, I know I'm really really doing excellent stuff. You know, doing really good work. Because if I'm if I'm mailing it in a little bit, which I never do, but if I'm just not, you know, if I'm not uh, hitting triples and I'm just getting on first base with some part of the show, I'll hear about it. I'll hear about it. Uh, so I appreciate that, Aries. Thank you for writing in. Um, Tabitha writes, Buck, I can't believe you haven't mentioned the assassination of General Razik and attempted assassination of General Miller in Afghanistan last week. There are a lot of us veterans who depend on you to help the country remember that we're still fighting Afghanistan. You spent a lot of time talking about Khashoggi, but none on Razik. What's up with that? I'm giving you a partial pass because of the midterms, but I just, uh, but just so you know, I'm disappointed. OSS Tabitha. Tabitha, you're, you're right. You're right. And it, it, it's not, uh, it wasn't a, a conscious choice. I just got caught up in the news cycle, you know, day in and day out, like everybody else that's, that's trying to put together a daily show. And, uh, and I, I, uh, I missed the, I missed the boat on this one. Um, yes, there was an, an attempted assassination of a U.S. Brigadier General in Afghanistan, insider threat, Taliban infiltration. This keeps happening. And, uh, and, and they got uh, General uh, Razik, an Afghan general. And, you know, now they're going after senior military, uh, very senior military officers. And if we can't protect our very senior military officers, the message that that sends all the way down the, uh, the chain of command is no one's safe anywhere in Afghanistan now. That, that's the message. And it just goes to show you that uh, we are not, look, we're not winning the war in Afghanistan, my friends. And we're not holding the line either in Afghanistan. We're losing. Our area of control is receding. And we think that because we don't have that many of our soldiers doing frontline patrols every day, that they're not quite in the same, you know, they're they're not really in harm's way quite the way they'd be at, at other stages of this war. But they're still a threat. And if things go really badly, then it's going to be all hands on deck, so to speak. And that means our men and women are going to be the ones that have to keep Kabul from falling. So, uh, Tabitha, thank you for the reminder. I, I did read about that story and had done some research on it. I, I have also reached out, just so you know, to uh, Zalmay Khalilzad, 
through an intermediary. Zal is currently in charge of ending the Afghan war for the administration, or I should say establishing a peace deal to end the war for the Trump administration. I'm hoping to get him for an interview in the next uh, four to six weeks, I'd say realistically. But I have absolutely not forgotten about Afghanistan at all. And uh, and you're right to call me out on not getting to that getting to that story um, and spending way too much time on the Khashoggi thing. But I've been telling you what the Khashoggi thing is all about, which the other people aren't, which is really just about bashing Trump and also how journalists care more about journalists than anybody else. So uh, that's going to be how we close up the Freedom Hunt for today, friends. Going to have a lot to talk about the rest of this week, I'm sure of that. Midterms looming, much more on the docket. So until next time, Shields High. Don't get caught up with a bunch of that commie coffee, okay? When you drink it, you can basically feel the hammers and sickles swirling around your mouth. Drink Freedom Brew, my friends, Black Rifle Coffee. This is the best coffee you're going to get anywhere. It's absolutely delicious. I drink it black every morning before I do my TV show. I'm all about it. I drink Silencer Smooth, but they've got Freedom Blend. They've got Full Black. They've got Caffeinated as Blank. You will love it. This should be the coffee you drink. They've got K-Cups. They've got Ground. They've got Full Beads. They've even got Decaf now. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. You'll get 15% off your first order. This is where you should go to get your coffee. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. I'm sure a lot of you like me are coffee drinkers. I drink multiple cups a day. And I'm telling you, this is the only coffee you're going to want to drink once you try it. You've got to check it out for yourself. And please use my URL, blackriflecoffee.com slash buck for 15% off.